Welcome to the Radical Lifestyle Podcast, brought to you by Generation to Generation, where you'll be inspired by the past, equipped for the present, and prepared for the future as we engage in conversations with people from around the world. If you've been inspired by the guests that we've had on the podcast, please like, subscribe, comment, hit notification bells, whatever you can do on the platforms that you're listening on, so that more people have the opportunity of hearing these and engaging in our community. Hello everyone, this is Andrew and Daphne. Our guest today is Velodia. Now, Velodia has been on numerous times. We've had his wife Roslana on and his son Pavel as well. Um, so I recommend you can do a search and, and watch some of those. But Velodia, for people that don't know who you are, could you just say a bit about where you're from and what you do? Thank you, Andrew. I greet everyone uh, who are here with us uh, or who would watch us later. And uh, as Andrew said, uh, my name is Valodia, or these days uh, we prefer our names to sound more in Ukrainian, and in Ukrainian it would be Volodymyr. Volodymyr. Volodymyr, yeah, that is in Ukrainian language. Uh, but Valodia is still very well, and, uh, <laughs> and uh, I'm uh, at the moment in Kiev, Ukraine, and uh, as you all know, Ukraine has been in a state of war with Russia since uh, 24th of February last year. And uh, unfortunately, I have to say that uh, we got used to war. We got used to war. We got uh, used to all the horror which war brings. And uh, normally every day starts with uh, going through telegram, different telegram channels where you read what happened uh, during the night. Uh, and unfortunately, very often you hear the news that uh, some of the cities of Ukraine, often it is also Kiev, uh, were under... Uh, missiles or drones attack and uh, there are numerous reports uh, how many people were injured or even killed and uh, probably bad part that we are getting used to that it still you know brings pain but you are getting used to that because probably this is how we are made that uh, in order not to fall apart you need to, to learn how to fit into a current situation. And uh, the challenge is always, uh, well, first challenge, how not to fall apart. And uh, another challenge, what you can still do under the circumstances uh, you are in now. And uh, this is, well, more or less briefly. <laughs> um, yeah, and for people that, that listen to this, if you, if you want to get in touch with Velodia, support him or maybe follow on his telegram channel then we will put our email in the description box so email us let us know we've been doing this with him for since the war basically started and we've been helping to get resources to him so again contact us and then we can help you um, figure some of that stuff out yeah and i would um, reiterate what andrew said because many many people are praying for ukraine concerned about ukraine but I think our prayers and our concerns need to go into action. And there are many things people can do to help. So do contact us and um, we will lead you through how you can help this current situation, small ways and bigger ways. So let's be a people of action 
um, and be the here am I, what can I do, people. Yeah, uh, maybe maybe to start, sorry, were you going to say something? Yeah, actually, I just wanted to, to thank you, Daphne and Andrew, because uh, uh, you were one of the few people in the very beginning of the war uh, who started walking with us this road. And uh, like, why this is special for me? Because though we came to know each other maybe about 20 years or so, but uh, for a long time, we were not uh, in a close touch. Maybe we were watching each other on a distance, <laughs> on a Facebook or somewhere else. But I really appreciate that you took a step forward. And uh, during this time, to be basically within a reach from us. So I appreciate this very much. I just want to tell you. Yeah. And, you know, life happens. We, we end up doing all kinds of different things. But... Uh, you know, you meet people and sometimes you're not in touch with that regularly, but often close to the heart nonetheless. And uh, so as soon as we saw it happening, obviously, you've always been close to our hearts. And, uh, you know, we had to reach out and see how we could help. There was no other option. Uh, it was something we had to do. Um, maybe before we, we go too far into sort of the current climate, and I want to I want to talk about something you mentioned earlier about being sort of numb to the war, and I want to come to that in a minute, but could you just give us a bit of an update? How's the family? Where are you all now? Um, yeah, so just let us know how the family's doing. Okay. Well, uh, since the beginning of the war, uh, originally uh, I took out of Ukraine uh, uh, my uh, kids and my grandkids, and uh, we are also very thankful that uh, in Norway we have our very good friends uh, who help them to be accommodated there. And uh, so uh, at the moment, uh, my youngest son, he was also in Norway, but uh, he was uh, more patriot than others. So he said, I don't want to live in Norway. I want to back to Ukraine. So... Uh, he is now with me. He's 16 years old and he's studying in college. My other son, my oldest son, Pavel, him and his wife, they live uh, in the western Ukraine. And uh, uh, more exactly, it's a Transcarpathia area on the border with Romania. And uh, it is with him. Uh, we normally go to a front line as chaplains. And uh, my Oldest daughter, who is 28, uh, and my youngest daughter, who actually in uh, three days' time, she's turning uh, 18, there in Norway together with my wife. As I, and uh, as I told you previously, uh, next week I'm going to Norway uh, to bring back my wife. So her time in Norway is over, so she would be uh, with me here in Ukraine. So this is where my family is at the moment and where we are. Um, maybe could you just give us a bit of an update in terms of where's the war at now? Um, it, it's been, been a few months since we, we talked to you. A lot's happened. Uh, we, we see footage at the minute of um, rockets coming down in the Ukraine. I saw one the other day where one came down in the street and it like hit the traffic light on the way down and you know i think there are a few people injured in that but 
um, yeah, we still see random clips, but it's not in people's faces as much as it was. So, so where are we at right now? Well, uh, concerning the war, well, uh, probably you all heard that uh, several days ago, uh, Russia, they uh, uh, got uh, exploded the hydroelectric power station uh, in the south of Ukraine, which, bring, uh, which uh, brought a huge damage to that area. And uh, only God knows how many were actually killed during that uh, and how, and there are a lot of people who are suffering yeah. and one of the reasons they did it because they were afraid of Ukrainian counteroffensive and uh, our latest reports uh, that on uh, different parts, parts of the front line uh, Ukrainian uh, troops uh, they started their counteroffensive and they have some successes and uh, because Russia, they uh, cannot do much about this, but they have a lot of uh, long-range missiles and drones. So basically every night uh, they uh, attack different Ukrainian cities. Like uh, uh, two nights ago, uh, it was Krivirig, where missile hit it, uh, the uh, apartment block and uh, at least 11 people were killed, civilian people were killed and many were injured. Last night, Odessa, the famous Ukrainian city at the Black Sea at the south of Ukraine, was also under missiles attack and uh, I don't know at the moment the uh, updated statistics uh, about the damages and losses uh, but uh, the reality that uh, every night, uh, because normally they try to do their attacks at night, Russia is attacking certain areas of Ukraine. So uh, there's not much what they can do on the front line, but uh, they use their strongest uh, points, that is long-range uh, weapons. And unfortunately, uh, Ukraine uh, does not have means uh, to stop it as much as it uh, should be possible. And, um, uh, yeah, that's more or less where the war situation is now. Okay. Uh, you mentioned about sort of becoming a bit numb to the war at this point. You just, it is just life. We kind of carry on. Um, I mean, we see videos, like I mentioned before, of just rockets just coming out of the sky and hitting Kiev and, Cars are just driving. I mean, when you're driving around, are you kind of sort of looking to the sky? You know, where is there a rocket coming? Or you just get on and, you know, if one comes, it comes. I mean, are you thinking about those kinds of things? Well, no. When I'm in Kiev, I'm not thinking about it. Uh, and as I said, uh, during the daytime, uh, uh, everything is pretty much fine. The previous Sunday when we had our church service, which is at 4 p.m., uh, which is at 4 p.m. And uh, so during the church service, uh, there was an air raid siren with, a, you know, s with the messages that just go to a nearest shelter. And uh, so Pesta told to people that if you would like, you can go. But uh, first reality that you don't have, you know, bomb shelters everywhere and uh, secondly people they're so much uh, used to that that they're not reacting to that 
So even at night when you are sleeping and uh, you get on your phone messages that uh, Russia is sending their missiles and there's a uh, air uh, raid siren, so you are just not reacting. You just go to sleep. Yeah. It, it's a way I, that God has made our bodies to protect us in these situations, but um, hopefully one day when it's all over, you will have the opportunity of processing it and dealing with these things. Volodia, I know that you are in touch with many pastors. Um, perhaps we can go more onto your frontline work there, but generally speaking, how is the church in Ukraine? I know it's a big question, but generally speaking. Well, generally speaking, uh, all the churches uh, nowadays, they do the same things. They work with uh, refugees where they are. Uh, they collect uh, humanitarian aid to help civilians. Many churches now, they have uh, chaplains uh, who go to the front lines uh, to work uh, with the, uh, our Ukrainian military. So... Any church is doing this. They question uh, only uh, how much or how less. And of course, depending on uh, resources of the church uh, and also the size of the church. But any church you talk today, they do the same things. And uh, I just want to uh, say that uh, we have now a lot of people coming uh, to God through this work. And just recently, maybe you saw my last news on my Telegram channel. We got uh, a news from the uh, front line where we go. Uh, because where, where we go, we also work with the church there. And we normally bring them humanitarian aid. And when we go and distribute with them humanitarian aid to the people, uh, we always preach to the people. So it's not only just to give away uh, aid and leave. No, first of all, to preach and pray for people. That is the main reason why we do this. And so we got a report from this church that uh, last Sunday 21 people were water baptized. And uh, all of them, they came to this church uh, in order to get some humanitarian aid. And uh, they stayed in the church. And uh, for us personally, it was... Uh, you know, like uh, like a reward, you know, like to hear that this is the fruits of what we've been doing. And uh, it's also because of you, because uh, you and those people who uh, listen uh, to us, you know, and I know that a lot of people, they are praying. So uh, we just trust God that uh, there would be more and more fruits uh, which uh, God would uh, uh, get into his kingdom. I know that um, over the years, a big focus of yours has been that the church turn outward and be missional, both home and abroad. So this must be a big help to your vision because all the churches are now becoming missional uh, within Ukraine first because that's needed. But I know the ends of the earth are still in your focus, right? Yes, yes. Uh uh, as you uh, rightly said, Daphne, uh, previously my main focus was uh, on unreached people groups and uh, how to train church uh, so it can be effective uh, 
in getting a vision uh, for those unreached uh, people groups and actually getting to those unreached groups. But because of uh, evident reasons, Ukrainian church uh, is not able to do it at the moment. And uh, like what I believe, uh, we need now to win this battle within a Ukraine. So it's not only the battle, you know, uh, to get our land back uh, and uh, so Russia withdraw from our territories. But actually, this is the battle for our church. This is the battle for our vision. Yeah. And uh, we, when we do this, you know, and maybe that is why I like more, you know, to go to a front line, because maybe in a sense, it reminds uh, you know, your mission trips overseas to unreached territories uh, where there is certain uncertainty, sometimes danger, where uh, you need uh, to uh, stretch yourself to do certain things. And maybe one thing, uh, maybe you can pray for us here in Ukraine. It's so we, we as a church would not uh, lose a vision. Yeah. Because uh, after one day, the war would be over. That's for sure. I don't know what would be the exact result of this war, but one day it would be over. And it would be a tragedy if uh, we as, as a church would uh, lose a vision. Because then we would be uh, overcome by this. So I believe one of the signs of victory for our church, that is not to lose a vision. As uh, the time goes by and uh, as uh, we eventually uh, uh, gain victory in this war. Well, I would be well surprised if any churches within your sphere lost the vision because reaching the unreached isn't something you do, it's in your DNA. And for as long as we've known you, I would say it would be very unlikely that they would. And should you lose the vision personally, Vlody, we will be over there to sort you out, okay? <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. Well, uh, in, 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 yeah, in a sense, it would be needed because uh, you need to understand this thing that uh, right now uh, we are all, everyone who is in Ukraine, we are under the influence of war. Somebody to the bigger extent, somebody to the less extent, depending on what people experience personally and what is their personality. Like uh, literally yesterday, uh, I've heard about one pastor. Well, I knew him personally, but uh, not that well. And I was just told that um, uh, he lived in Kharkiv, that is the very east uh, uh, part of Ukraine, which was uh, under very heavy attacks, especially last year. And uh, as they were trying to escape with their children, they got under the shelling. And so experience apparently uh, was that bad for them. So he got uh, uh, isolated So and he withdrew himself from communication with the other believers. So I understand that uh, all of us, we are under the influence and probably uh, we would need somebody who would come from a side, you know, to help to evaluate us in a sense. Mm. Yeah. Well, we'll be there when you call for us. 
We, okay. we, will, we will come and evaluate you. <laughs> we will okay. come and evaluate you, yes. <laughs> you, you will have a checklist? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a very long one. Oh, yes. Um, <laughs> yes, well, we won't go into that now, but... Yeah. yeah, we don't want to prepare him for the checklist. checklist. No. Um, yeah, because, uh, maybe sort of one thing, because uh, you need to understand that uh, now, and I'm talking now about the church people, and uh, I, I hope you would understand. Now, unfortunately, it is very normal, normal for Christians, even for the ministers, uh, to talk uh, how many Russians should be killed. While even if you go now to the States or wherever, and if you start talking about, you know, killing Russians, you know, people can think that you are at least strange and something is wrong with you. But unfortunately, it uh, become very normal now here, even uh, in, the, in the churches, to talk, talk about killing the Russians. And unfortunately, this is the reality. Yeah, I liked in a previous episode, you, I can't remember the exact words you used, but you said, what does a victory look like Yeah. here? And you said, a victory looks like the advancement of the kingdom of God. It's yeah. something to that effect. You know, people might think you would say winning the war and this, that and the other, and which obviously we want Ukraine to be, to be victorious and to have its own land back in, etc. But that wasn't what you singled out you singled out a victory is the, the advancement of the kingdom of god and uh, i think that um you know even you know the bible says seek first the kingdom of god seek first these things and everything else to be added so uh you know i i really uh appreciated that and, and it stood out a lot from that conversation i still think about it now as you as you speak um and like mum said you've always had this vision this mission or heart uh, dna and and even a war didn't shake that. You, you know, you yeah. kind of doubled down on that and said, no, look, we might be kind of, as, as men stuck here in this situation, we can't leave, but that doesn't change anything. We still need to be missional even in the midst of this conflict. Um, and I love that, that even, even a war didn't shake that vision that you have. Yeah, so, so the minute below, dear, as I understand it, you are a chaplain and a chaplain going to the front lines. Can you talk to us about what that looks like for you? Yeah. Yes, this is like a new new episode in my life. And basically, uh, I've been starting doing it more actively beginning of this year, uh, starting from February, I believe. Yeah, because, uh, as, as I said, we uh, go normally to the front line, and uh, I feel... At this period of my life, more calling just to minister to the soldiers. Uh, because, uh, you know, uh, in a sense, uh, they are the people who are risking their life every day on a regular basis. Every day, you know, they have uh, pretty big chances to meet with the Lord. And uh, we cannot wait. You know, till, you know, one day they would come back home. So uh, as we go uh, to a front line, this chaplain's position allow us to speak to them. And uh, <clears throat> I would like to make it uh, more clear that uh, we are chaplain's volunteers. So we are not a military guys. 
so it means that we can be pretty much flexible where we go with whom we speak uh, so uh, but on the other side we have also chaplains uh, who are military and who serves in the army and who should be there but unfortunately we do not have uh, a lot of them i just last week heard the statistics that we have only about 140 official chaplains uh, while uh, there is a need to have 800 chaplains but uh, the problem is that uh, officially only orthodox believers can be a chaplains and only a very very small percentage of a protestant uh, Christians uh, would be able to become chaplains official chaplains in the army so uh, we go uh, as a chaplains volunteers to the front line and uh, we have now uh, at this moment uh, certain groups of soldiers who are on the front line and whom we visit on a regular basis and uh, normally we try to bring something for them but uh, it's not uh, even the case because even when we come almost uh, empty handed they're very happy to see us and uh, one of the reasons we come so we can preach a gospel to them and uh, every time when they hear the gospel it's an opportunity for them to have a word of god planted into their hearts because all of you you know that god's word has a power whether a person believe in it or does not believe in it god's word still uh, has a power to do something in a person's life so we have certain groups of soldiers uh, uh, like in infantry tankers um, and uh, reconnaissance and uh, uh, artillery in artillery where we come and we have an opportunity to speak into their hearts and uh, i believe uh, especially when the war would be over and they're back home you know we would have a right to approach to them because if a church would uh, stand now aside from the all military activity and after the war is done you know they would have those soldiers they would have all rights to come to the church and say where have you been while there was a war why we never saw any one of you next to us so i believe by going there we also kind of uh, give a church a right to speak into the lives of those people and their families yeah. i i as i said at the beginning i'm very strong on christians being people of action not just people who listen and say oh dear but people of action and i think the fact that you go there is huge but at base level it says we see you we we know where you are and we care i mean just on on that humanitarian basis is yes. it's huge am i right yeah. yes exactly it's our presence here because you know yes. church should be present everywhere like for example uh, we were going uh, to visit a certain military unit uh, and uh, their base is just 5 kilometers from the trenches and uh, so the guy with whom i was in touch so when i called him he said well yes uh, you can come and visit us but i need to warn you that uh, the shelling now 
is uh, more than it was before. So, and for us, we had to make a decision whether to go or just to stay because the situation had become a little bit worse. And so we decided to go and uh, truthfully, there was no shelling while we were here, but I believe that for them it was a sign that we come to them not only when things are light and normal, but uh, we are willing to go even if uh, there is a certain danger there. So, yeah. and I believe they appreciate this because we come to them and uh, of course we come there just maybe for two, three hours. It's not like we are staying for the whole day or couple of days. It may be just uh, two maximum three hours, but this is a signal for them that uh, we are with them. Don't be afraid. God's people here and God is with them. And you can be also a part of God's people. Yeah. And uh, so on. Well, in one of our mandates says that we are light. God, everybody, every Christian will believe, say, yes, we're a light, city set in a hill, can't be hid. But then I wonder, if we're light, where is that light? It wasn't created for where there is light, it was created for darkness. And that is, I think, becomes a sticking point for believers because if we're light, we should go to the darkness and in where there is darkness is the most potential for danger. So that's where we're needed more. And I think that is a big mind shift for Christians who just want to protect their light and be light where it, you know, is it's not really noticed, but in darkness it shines the brightest. Yes, uh, I agree with you, Daphne. Uh, you know, I think that uh, we as Christians, we so much used to, that uh, if God is with you, it means uh, that you are in a rosy, blousy atmosphere. Yeah. Like uh, you have everything what you need. Uh, there is, uh, you know, sun shining, birds are singing, you know, you know, everything is fine. You have a pleasant relations. You have a nice work, you know, everything is so nice. You know, we... Uh, we have reasons only to smile, you know, and uh, we forget that sometimes God can to put you in a danger situation. Of course, uh, often we don't know why, but uh, if we read the Bible and we read the stories of the Bible and we realize that God would not allow you to go through things which you won't be able to endure, like... Uh, the other day, uh, I, I was uh, in a. I was meeting with the, some uh, military guys, with some military guys, uh, and uh, one of them uh, he asked me, "Well, can you give me an example how the word of God well can give, practically help you?" I said, "Of course, I can help you because you know many people think that Bible that is just." Uh, um, a collection of wise uh, thoughts and uh, good historical bo books. And I told him, look, for example, uh, if I get in a certain situation, if this is a, in, if this is a difficult situation, and if I know that uh, what I just told you, if God said that uh, he would not put you in a situation which you won't be able to endure, so it means that God knows that you can go through this situation. 
Oh, you know, when you pray that no weapon formed against you would be successful. So it's a practical application uh, of God's word into our life. And uh, yeah, of course, we need protection. And uh, actually, when I talk about the chaplain's work, you know, uh, normally when we go, we have our bulletproof vests. We did not have any helmets. But one of our churches, they have some uh, connections in England. Uh, so we were sent from England some uh, military uniform, some helmets, uh, shoes. And this stuff at the moment is uh, in Romania for us. So probably next time we go, we would have uh, British helmets on us. <laughs> I would just add one thing. Um, the authenticity of what you said is that you have gone to those places. I think sometimes, like, if we're sitting in nations where it's okay and then we start saying to the front line, no weapon formed against you will prosper, it doesn't have the authenticity <laughs> of people who are there living it or have been in those situations. It's so nice I've, quoting that scripture when you're sitting on a beach swinging your hammock. Well, or, in <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, or, or in the safety. Yeah. So I, I would have a word of caution to people who are listening who are not in these situations, have not been in these situations to be careful how we use the word of God to speak into it that we speak that um, we can misuse it by not having the authenticity I'm not saying don't use it but we need to be careful that we're not there I mean people like you can use it with power I think we need to use it with caution and uh, you just reminded me, Daphne, remember when in Ephesians, uh, Paul, Paul talking about God's weapon. He was actually referring to the physical weapon which Roman soldiers used. So yeah. he took the, like, uh, the literal, uh, literate example and he just showed uh, how it, uh, the parallel of it in a spiritual world. So today we have almost the same. We need to have the vests, you know, like yeah. the the, uh, the breastplates, uh, you know, the helmet. Uh, maybe today we have different kind of swords. And uh, as chaplains, we cannot use those swords. Only our soldiers have. But we have also need also to have shoes, you know, uh, which would be right for the situation. So... Exactly right what you are saying. Yeah, and I guess, you know, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. But that doesn't mean that Christians aren't killed for their faith. And so, yeah. you know, no weapon formed against you shall prosper. Okay. But you still might die for the kingdom of God. And but, that's, that can be prospering. But that can be prospering. So <laughs> you, it, prospering in the kingdom of God may mean that you still die for your faith. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. That is why when we go to that uh, area, well, I would say the uh, percentage or, or percentage that you can be hit but by something uh, maybe a thousand times more than here in Kiev. But still you go there because there are people who live there like civilians, uh, there are uh, soldiers, uh, you know, and there are also people. And so when you come to them, you just show to them that you're identified with them. Like uh, here in Kiev where I live, uh, I have my neighbors and one of their sons, uh, he is now in the military and he is one of those guys whom we visit on the front line. 
and we visited him twice and every time we go his parents because it's just across the street from my house you know they give me something so i can bring to their son and uh, the other day i saw my neighbor he started mowing his grass at his fence and then he started doing it at my fence as well he never did it before but now i see that they treasure very much the fact that i go there put myself to danger to meet with his, their son and now every time when i meet they always and they see me they come uh, out of their yard just to greet me and just to say something just to talk to me i just see that this simple act is just uh, uh, totally uh, uh, changed people's attitude even mm. <coughs> You mentioned uh, when the war is over um, that you hope the vision doesn't die, that people still have this vision, the church still has this vision of, of engagement and, uh, and helping and ministering to people. And obviously when the war finishes, hopefully people outside Ukraine don't just go, right, it's all finished, we can all, all take a break. Now, in a way, that's where a lot of the hard work is going to start because you're going to have a whole nation of people that need to be ministered to, to work through the traumas that they've now gone through. And so, you know, we need to be helping to provide resources and supporting now and supporting the church in Ukraine now. But when this is over, the church in Ukraine is still need, going to need that support from mm -hmm. outside to help minister to the church there, to help the church there to continue to minister to the people as well. Uh, so I really hope that uh, as this continues to happen and maybe if people listen to this that more churches will rise up to help support local churches where you are um and, and uh, maybe you can speak a bit about that um maybe how can people support you what does that look like what are needs that you have and the people that you're ministering with have um and then also sort of encourage people to to support as or when this this war finishes mm -hmm. Yes, thank you, Andrew, for your for your uh, question and for your remark. You know, uh, support uh, has always uh, uh, has always had uh, like uh, uh, two sides. First, support is uh, can be like what we talk spiritual, yeah, uh, spiritual, uh, and another support can be material. So uh, I would say that uh, from the side of uh, not material because you know it's like uh, we need help of psychologists and as we were talking uh, with you before maybe uh, michelle and others uh, uh, those who are psychologists and especially who are christians because it especially would be very good for us to have psychologists who are christians because in ukraine mainly we have uh, psychologists not christians but we are we hope uh, to have more perspective on psychology from Christian perspective. So we would need help of those people. And so uh, our uh, work with the, with the people in Ukraine would be uh, more, uh, how to say, would be more professional, more successful. Also, because uh, we have a, a lot of uh, uh, people who are in the military now, I believe uh, also we would need a, a work of uh, active chaplains who have more experience. I mean, military chaplains, because I know that we have chaplains uh, in a hospital, in a police, 
but especially military chaplains who would uh, maybe uh, give us more training or idea, understanding how uh, to work better, better with the military guys. Uh, this is one or another thing. And uh, of course, uh, we would also need uh, material support because um, Ukrainian economy uh, destroyed very badly. And uh, now it's a miracle if people can find a job to provide. And I know uh, now many families in Ukraine, they live apart, where husbands there in Ukraine and their wives and children there somewhere in Europe, because there uh, they are provided as refugees, because for their husbands it's practically impossible to provide for their families. So this is also the challenge. So uh, material support, uh, unfortunately, would be still uh, uh, valid and needed uh, for a, a long uh, period of time in Ukraine, especially when thing is over and uh, we would need to rebuild our country. Yeah, just because the war is over doesn't mean the economy just kicks straight yes. into place and everyone has all their jobs back and there's a lot of rebuilding. Yeah, and uh, I've heard this comment from one of the guys, and uh, he's an American, and uh, he, he was a Vietnam uh, war veteran. So he likes to say these things, enjoy while the war is still on, because real problems would start only after the war. Meaning that, uh, you know, there would be a lot of people with the PTSD syndrome, and, uh, and this PTSD can kill them. And uh, uh, PTSD can experience not only soldiers, but civilians if they uh, witnessed uh, certain traumatic events. So the problems uh, has been accumulating and accumulating. So as time goes by, we would need a lot of help. Well, if you listen, people listening, if you listen to Radical Lifestyle, um, which we put out every week, you will know that we don't actively promote um, any ministry that comes on. We don't ask for finances for any ministry that comes on. But we have made a commitment um, as a ministry and as a podcast. Is a podcast a ministry, Andrew? It's a part of, it's a part the, of our ministry. Yeah, to support Volodia and be very proactive in in challenging people to get behind him or, or others that you know are um, who are believers in Ukraine. And, and we've known Volodia, like you said, for like 20 years or something like that. This is a, a very long-standing uh, friendship. Yeah. So we're not just having just plucked somebody, as it were, out the blue and said, oh, here's this chap, Volodia, what can we do to help? We feel a personal responsibility, a ministry responsibility to support him. And we would strongly encourage you, look deep inside yourself and say, what can I do as I've listened to this to support him? Even if everybody who listens just gave a little, that would be more than we could um than we would understand it could mean to him. So I, I do unapologetically finish with that. Velodia, thank you for your faithfulness. Thank you for not losing the vision that God gave you. And I'm sure that the unreached of this nation are going to be reached again through you. You are through your church planting, through 
who God has created you to be. And we look forward to seeing you face to face. And we look forward to the next podcast, which will come. So keep tuned and look out for Below Dear on Radical Lifestyle. If you want to be sure to hear him, I mean, do press that subscribe and thumbs up and all that stuff. And then you'll be sure to know when he's coming (laughs) on again. Yeah, Velodia, thank you. We appreciate you. And uh, yeah, we'll we'll look forward to catching up again, hopefully under different circumstances. But if not, we will still catch up again. We will. Thank you. Thank you very much, dear friends. And thank you to everyone who is praying and giving and just standing with us during this time. God's kingdom will prevail. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode. Remember, if it inspired you, share it with others so we can see more people engaged in this community.